It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. My guest today is Barb Giamanco. She is one of the leading experts on social selling, president of Social Centered Selling, and co-author of the book, The New Handshake Sales Meets Social Media, which was really one of the earliest books about this whole phenomenon that we call social selling these days. Barb, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Always a pleasure to have a conversation with you, my friend. Likewise. So take a minute, introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. Well, I think what people need to know about me, Andy, is that I've made my entire career in sales. Um, and before I started my own business, I worked for four amazing companies in uh, corporate America, including Microsoft, where I ran a $350 million sales business. So I know my way uh, around the selling process. I also I happen, so, to, yeah. uh, I happen to love technology. More importantly, I love how technology can actually help improve our businesses um, and our lives, for that matter, if they're used uh, correctly. So that's a little bit about me. So you had this moment, I mean, this book you guys published back in 2010 with your co-author that really, you know, foretelling what was going to come in terms of this wave of social selling. What is it you were seeing at that time about how selling was changing that, you know, inspired you to write the book? Great question. So actually, I started evangelizing the integration of social media into sales about 2006. And the, what happened for me is being the lover of technology that I am, I started experimenting with the early social media tools and I was paying close attention to what was happening in terms of social media marketing and how it was impacting PR and communications. And I kept thinking to myself, why is no one talking about sales? Mm -hmm. I had joined LinkedIn in the very first year, so I've been using it uh, since the platform was designed. And I thought to myself, well, my gosh, if people can use a platform like LinkedIn to source job opportunities, they could certainly use it to source and network with people who you might uh, do business with, right? Exactly. So I, I, I started out by just talking with groups and talking about why I thought this was really going to impact the selling process, just like, and this will date myself a little bit, but I'm okay with that, just like when we got the fax machine and then email came in and then the, <laughs> you know, so there have been other technologies that started disrupting the sales process. And I just finally, in 2009, I just said, I need to be the one who writes a book about this because it just... Um, nobody was talking about it. And, and often sales leaders were looking at me like, yeah, sure, Barb. <laughs> sure, that's going to mm -hmm, happen. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, you know, the crazy story with the book is it didn't even have a, I didn't even have a proposal written. Uh, Joan, who uh, worked with me on the book, she brought a level of experience around uh, communication. She had published with this publisher. And, you know, we just floated the idea by the publisher. Next thing you know, they're like, yes. I was like, well, I don't even have anything written down. <laughs> <laughs> and you have two weeks to print it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's been all this hype that's been built up around social media, and there seems to be, or social selling, excuse me, and there seems to be sort of a, you know, camps that have emerged where some people are trying to uh, sort of knock it down and make it less than it is, and some people may be trying to overhype it. You know, what is social selling at its heart? I mean, help people understand that. So, I mean, cause I think people's eyes start glazing over a little bit when they hear this. 
Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, let's face it, there there weren't, you could count on both hands the number of people, including myself, who were really talking about this prior to say 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. And and so in some ways it's been it's been used as an SEO term, right? Search engine optimization. It's a popular term. People are trying to capitalize on it. And you're absolutely right that some people go way overboard in overstating what it can do. I hope one of these days we get back to just talking about good selling. Right. But here's the thing. When we're talking about integrating social media into your sales process, we're just talking about adding another collection of tools to your sales toolkit. That's it. So you, you it, for me, it's a mashup of good online strategies because we know that buyers are blocking us often mm-hmm. with phone mm-hmm. calls and emails. Mm-hmm. So we need other approaches, but it's also, you got to have other offline strategies. So I speak at events or I or I'm on panels, you know, part of my online strategy is teaming up with uh, colleagues and friends like yourself, where we're doing podcasts, or I might be on a joint webinar with a company. So for me, it's just tools. That's it. And the tools, if you use them correctly, can help you uh, get visibility early, uh, help demonstrate your credibility and capability. But Andy, when it gets right down to it, once you get the sales meeting, After that, your knowledge and your working ability with social media is irrelevant. It's how well you can sell. And if you're not a good consultative seller, then all that effort that you used in terms of the the tools helping you get the meeting, it's kind of wasted, you know? Right. So what you're saying is the place for social media, and not the exclusive place, but I mean, the the focus of it for social selling is really at sort of top, what we'll call top of the funnel, right? It's, It's getting that initial appointment, making that connection with a potential prospect, being able to, as you said, to circumvent the barriers that have been raised, or at least help you circumvent them, and be able to demonstrate some source of value to to the potential prospects, so they'll open themselves up to talking to you. That's absolutely right. And so I am sometimes, you know, I shake my head because people want to overstate how you know, oh, just have a pretty profile and just do share some content. Well, those things again may lead you to expand the size of your network with the right potential buyers. Um, you can certainly use social channels and you should uh, as part of your strategy for researching and preparing yourself for sales meetings. But let's face it, who are we kidding? It's what happens when you get the meeting that is still the most critical aspect of this. And if you don't have good sales skills, which I would argue are a bit on the decline, then you have a problem. So it, it's always interesting to me, Andy, where you get these these factions because I don't think it's either or. I think it's you look at what you're trying to accomplish, your specific industry, your targeted buyer, and then you determine it's kind of like, right, you get to mix and match. You pick the strategies and the tactics that are going to work for you. Now, I'm not a cold calling fan. The buyers have spoken. At the same time, I'm perfectly willing to say if if that works for you, then by all means do it. Absolutely. I think that's the whole point about prospecting that, that that sort of gets lost in this this argument, if you will, that exists between you know various experts, uh, and I'll put air quotes around that experts, which include <laughs> which include me, by the way, is that yeah, it's not one thing or the other, right? It's finding what works for you, as you said. Social media as a t- sales tool could be the right thing for you. I mean, there's some people just thrive on making contacts through LinkedIn. And opening the doors that way, there's other people that only succeed to succeed by doing it, picking up the phone and calling people. That's okay. It doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. It's just 
what works best for you. That's right. And I, my strategy is a combination. So as an example, I just spoke at Dreamforce a couple of weeks ago. And so what happens is, you know, it never fails during the meeting. I meet a lot of people or they start connecting, you know, inviting me to connect with them on LinkedIn. And that's great. So we'll, we may start the relationship, right? They saw me speak. We got to know each other a little bit. We connect on LinkedIn. I make it a point then every week to pick five or six people that I'd really like to do business with, set up a phone call. So, I mean, it all kind of works together, this business of kind of insisting that all you need to do is be online or all you need to do is cold call. I, you know, anytime I hear that, I say to myself, somebody is being way too rigid. You've got to figure out what's going to work best for you. And then you do that. And in general, I think it's going to be a combination of, you know, uh, tactical activities that's going to make it work for you. Well, let's think about that now from a, let's talk about a sale, putting together a sales strategy that incorporates social selling in it. Now, is that, do you start that as saying, okay, we're going to do this at a company level or is this an individual level? That's a great question. Up to this point, I think in many ways, it's started at an individual level, individual sellers. And this is no different for, for, for all the time that both of us have been in sales. I think top-notch sellers are always looking to learn and improve and to figure out what they can do to move themselves to the next level. So for several years, what I saw were top-performing reps saying, hey, I see this online stuff's going to make a difference and I'm going to jump in. Mm -hmm. And I saw less in terms of organizations thinking strategically about how to structure a strategy which included the learning and development program and the coaching needed to help sellers change and adopt new behaviors, I saw less of that happening in terms of an overall implementation for the sales teams. But that's changing now. Uh, over the last couple of days, I was uh, watching certain sessions at uh, you know of LinkedIn Sales Connect. And mm -hmm. I listened to a couple of organizations talking about their journey and how they decided to start implementing this. And interestingly enough, to support this point, SAP even said one of their top sellers was getting such great traction that all of a sudden they said, we need to figure out how to replicate what he's doing. And then they put their whole strategy and program in place. So if you're a small, medium-sized enterprise and you're a CEO or sales manager, you're listening to this program, what's the first step in terms of putting together sales strategy that has social selling as a component for top of the funnel activities? Yeah, great question. I'm, I'm always going to say you need to think about your plan and you definitely need to involve your marketing folks in that. The two teams need to work together. And if you're large enough to have sales enablement or sales operations people, they need to be involved as well. But the first step is really to just um, really ask yourself some key questions. Who's the target buyer? And and it's not everyone with a pulse, people. So you really do have to, do, who's the target buyer? What do they care about? What social channels are they likely to use? What's our message going to be? So you how skilled are our salespeople? What kind of training are they going to need? How will we hold them accountable? What will we measure and track? These are all the things that have to go into just an initial conversation. Don't think of this as having to write like a 20-page document, but you do need to answer some core questions that will help then drive your direction. So that really is the first step. Okay. And the second step? And then the second step is to make sure that you now provide appropriate training for your folks. Um, there's been a tendency, Andy, I think, to just, and, and maybe it's because I, I've often wondered about the psychology of it, but maybe it's because 
these platforms are largely free, there's this thinking that they're easy to use. And in a way they are, but point and click is not going to lead to a strategic sales result. So the next step, once you've got your plan, you know who you're targeting, marketing's working on the messaging and the content, you've got to give your sellers training. And it's really important that you uh, either bring in somebody if you need to or if you've got somebody in-house, but you need to help your sellers learn how to shift their behavior and operate a little bit differently in the online world. So the training is going to be really key. And what I've found is that training that's spaced out over time seems to work a lot better. And then I would suggest that the follow-on to that is a, a period of time where there is ongoing coaching. Because your managers have to be bought into this. They need to be part of this. And then they need to help coach their people. Because we all know that it's, you know, uh, what is it? 28 days to change a habit. But I mean, think about it. You're talking about a whole different way of thinking and doing some things differently. So you can't assume that a couple of trainings is going to shift that behavior. So, you know, that next piece is really making sure that people are well-trained. So what are some of the key differences that, you know, a frontline salesperson has to adopt into their process for outreach using, let's say, LinkedIn, we'll focus on that for a second, versus picking up the phone and calling someone or sending an email? I mean, what what's the difference in the outreach and how they, in the messages they sent? Well, I think the difference is really thinking about things from the buyer's point of view. I think there's a tendency still today, Andy, for sellers to want to try and force a buyer through their sales process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the overscripted. Right? And I really believe that you need to think about it from the opposite direction. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I understand that, you know, that's what they're trained to do. They're trained to, you said it, scripted. They're trained to read off a script. They're trained to go right to demo. And what it would say is, you know, whether you want to try and build up a relationship with someone online, you have to think about what's important to the person on the other end. So there's, you know, I see a lot of sellers, they go right to, well, I'll just send in mails because LinkedIn says they're more effective. No, it's really the quality of your message that's going to determine whether you're effective or not. Then it's other things like being really patient, doing some homework about a buyer's industry, maybe following their profile to see what groups they're part of or what content they share, the things that are important to them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's learning about them, as you talked about. I think that's, you know, we think, okay, gosh, if we're going to make a cold call, I'm going to send an email, I'll go look at their LinkedIn profile briefly. And yeah, I know some specific, you know, f- basic facts about them. Hey, I can personalize this email, but it's still all about the seller. As you said, it, it takes a little time. It may not be something you do in, in five minutes. And maybe, yeah, you're going to track somebody and see what their social footprints are for a week and see what sort of content they're interested in, what they're sharing, what their uh, groups are belonging to, and so on. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is anybody listening, they would say, oh my gosh, a week to pay attention to what's interesting to them. And this is where I think this is the, the, the biggest misconception that people often have. They view that as taking too much time without realizing Call me old school, but you don't get a second chance to make that great first impression. No, 100% believe that, right? Right? So if you send, pardon me, a really lousy email that's all about you and what you want to sell, you have just lost your opportunity to get in front of that person and want to do business with them. 
If you take the time to just pay attention to what's important to them, do they post, do they publish posts on LinkedIn? And if they do, follow the content, weigh in, comment, maybe share, look at what's going on in their industry, and then look for articles that might be educational and informative that would be of benefit to them and drop them a little note you know, without it being about a sales pitch. So, you know, for me, Andy, this is no different than the way good sellers have always sold though. I think good salespeople always looked how, looked at, looked at how they could be of service first and how they could help people first. You know, I used to do back in the day, I'd, you know, read a magazine. I think, oh, you know, I just met with, you know, Joe Kelly over at XYZ Company. He's really interested in this topic. Oh, cool. I'll pull the article out, write a little handwritten note, just send it to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those those tr- strategies translate actually really well online. It's just that I think often people are super impatient, think, oh, this channel will let me get there faster. Well, getting there faster and still not having a great message or something that's relevant for the buyer just means you wasted that that effort. And I'm not a big fan of a bunch of activity um, confusing that with effectiveness. Oh, absolutely. I think the two words for people to really keep in mind, and I've written about this in my books, is value and service. Right? Is, is customers, you are first sales first and foremost is a service profession. You know, you are service serve, providing a service to the buyer to help them be able to make the right decision about the right solution for their problem they're trying to solve or the objectives they're trying to achieve. And the way you're going to do that is provide them information that has value to them. Because if That's you don't, right. if it doesn't have value, then you're not going to get any of their time. No, and you won't you won't stand out. And I mean, even what we're talking about today, the the fact that we're we're creating this this uh, this content, which hopefully will be helpful to people, is a, is a prime example of what we're talking about. Right. And I, I, I just think that there and I understand people are being pressured. I would say if you're a sales leader, for goodness sakes, can we take a step back and stop insisting that X number of phone calls and emails sent per day is going to lead to sales outcomes that are, you know, what you're looking for. It should be about the quality in it. I just feel like, Andy, that doesn't get measured. It's like, OK, if they if, if all my reps sent 100 emails t- today check the box. Right. We, we've done great work. Well, no, you haven't. It actually would be better if you sent 25 of the right emails that led to the meetings you're trying to secure. Right. Which is really the outcome that you're looking for in that whole process. So That's right. Well, good. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk further with Barb Giamanco about social selling. And before we go, though, I have a question I ask every customer or every guest, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, think about customers, every guest. And it's a hypothetical scenario I pose for you. You'll, know, you'll give me your answer after the break. So that this is the scenario. You're a new sales manager. You've been hired to come in on a sales turnaround situation. Sales have stalled, stagnated. Upper management's really anxious for things to change in a hurry. What two things would you do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? So you think about that. We'll come right back after the break and hear your answer. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. 
Hi, this is Andy again, back with my guest, Barb Giamanco. And we're talking about social selling, but before we get back into that, Barb posed a scenario to you right before the break about new sales manager. What two things would you do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? Hmm. What two things would I would do that I would have the biggest impact? All right. Well, I think the, the, the first thing I would do is I would, uh, get with each of my reps and sort of evaluate where they're choosing to spend time. That would probably be the first thing. Uh, and then maybe the second thing is I'd start to evaluate all of my reps to determine if they have uh, the right kinds of skills that are needed in order to achieve those sales outcomes. Wow. Very, very concise. Yeah, I mean, what would you do? <laughs> what would I do? Well, it's, you know, this is the Andy Paul show, not the Barb Jamanka show, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I I would start by focusing on the customers, right? I, I want to go visit the customers, understand, you know, if, if if sales are down, it's because people aren't buying. So let's let's go talk to the customers and find out what's wrong, right? Either what's wrong in terms of, you know, our messaging, you know, the value proposition we have, uh, the service we provide, our salespeople, you know, what what is it? And then find out really what it is they're looking for. Because it could be that, you know, I've seen this time and time again, is that sales teams are out selling something, which is not really what the customer, what the company is selling. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think that's kind of where my head was at when I was thinking about evaluating activities. I think you're absolutely right. You have to take a look at that. Um, I would also, I would probably also spend time really evaluating I don't like the word pitch, but an, uh, a, a better word's not coming to mind. I, I would, I want to see how they're presenting mm-hmm. sort of the the offering uh, to a customer. And my bet is, is if there are declining revenues and, you know, problems with the pipeline, often it's because sellers have been trained to default talking about the product rather than understanding from the customer point of view what problem they're trying to solve, which speaks to your point. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a sort of a path of least resistance that oftentimes develop where, you know, maybe they heard somebody sold something once sort of like this and they sort of, everybody sort of goes, okay, I'm going to get on that gravy train. That's the way we're going to succeed. Right. And that was just an outlier. And it really wasn't what the primary value proposition is, not really why a customer would buy from you. That's right. Well, and, and I think this is an important point because, again, there I see this a lot, especially with technology companies. There is a tendency to go straight from, all right, we got the meeting. Let me do a demo. You know, demos actually don't sell for you. There's a time and a place for that. And and I feel like that, that what happens is sellers, uh, whether they realize it or not, Andy, start boxing themselves in because the moment you go to a product sale, Unless you're the only product in that category ever in the world, you're going to have a problem because you're going to get lumped in with everybody else that kind of looks like you. And the moment that happens, then it becomes all about price. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so I've been in a a few webinars uh, recently where we've talked about this and Harvard Business Review in their, uh, you know, winning with buyers in a, in a, a digitally empowered world, Harvard Business Review uncovered that buyers, 72% of them said that a sales rep's ability to help them solve their business objectives was a huge factor in their decision to buy. Oh, yeah. Well, surprise is not 100%, right? <laughs> well, exactly. And and so, you know, that is, that's a great opportunity for anybody to stand apart but it gets back to something we talked about earlier. You've got to do a little homework. 
got to dig in a little bit. You got to think a little bit about, okay, what are, what are some common problems that, um, that, uh, you know, this customer might be facing and, and one way to figure that answer out might be to look at their customers and, and, and sort of see, you know, what problem they're solving. So I think that more that we can get salespeople to thinking, thinking about these things from the customer, the buyer's point of view, the more successful they're going to be. And over time, I just think that if you don't evolve that into that kind of a strategy, you're probably going to need to choose another profession because buyers are pretty fed up. They don't want their time wasted. No, they don't have time to waste it. And let's talk about the objective thing because I think that's something that salespeople don't focus enough on. They tend to think about the solution they're selling as sort of a point solution, right? It's all about that small world they're operating in. But the fact is that that's part of a larger objective oftentimes that the customer has that they're trying to achieve. You know, think about not just as I'm solving a problem, but I'm trying to achieve an objective. They're trying to That's achieve right. an objective. That's right. So for a salesperson, you know, a simple question to ask is, well, what is your, where do you want to be in 12 months? Where do you want to be in 18 months? Well, where are you now? Okay. So how do we get you from here to there? Right? And that's where you fit the equation. How do you get them from where they are today to where they want to be? And that's, if you can, abs- if, that's right. And if you can sell that, then your odds of winning the deal go up substantially. Well, they do. And guess what? (laughs) Very few of their competitors are probably asking those kinds of questions, right? So, um, you know, and I do that too. A a new potential customer came to me and we were talking about the thing and I just asked them straight up. You know, what problem do you think you're trying to solve here? I mean, what's, what's, what's not working? And all of a sudden... They're like, ooh, great question. Nobody else has asked us that. And I always kind of shake my head and, and kind of chuckle like, well, okay, somebody should. So I need to understand what problem they're trying to solve because I also want to be be sure that if they hire me, I'm in a position to help them with that. And if I'm not, I'd rather connect them you know, to a different resource. So it's it's not difficult. And and again, you can use business intelligence and other tools on the web to start to formulate some ideas about the challenges they might be faced. And then, as you suggested, then once you're in the meeting, that's a whole different kind of conversation. You put yourself on a whole different level when you approach it that way versus let me tell you about the corporate history. Let me tell you about our whiz bang product features that just turns people off. They're not really interested in that. Yeah. And unfortunately, it just doesn't take much effort and thought to reorient yourself. Or fortunately, it doesn't. But it's unfortunate more people don't do it. Agreed. This is, this is really, you know, it's my passion is how do we get sales to think differently about selling? And, you know, that's one thing is how do we change our perspective? The word is think, first of all, right? Is how do we get them to not just be on robotic, remote, you know, autopilot, but how do we think about each customer individually and what their objectives are in this situation that we're in today, that the situation they're in? If you can understand that and focus on really understanding that and uncovering those objectives, boy, you're going to change your life as a salesperson. I think so. And I also think that there, there's people get too hung up on time. Oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have to. Well, what the heck do you have time for? If your revenue is not where it needs to be, then maybe try a different strategy, right? I mean, um, right? Isn't that the definition of insanity? According yeah. to Einstein, you continue to do the same things over, over and over, over again. Expect different results. For a result, right? right. And, and so there's this, oh, well, we don't, we don't have time for that. Well, what do you have time for? Because isn't the, the, the so changing your behavior is and, and changing your approach 
is so important. What's cool though, Andy, is that as I've worked with customers and you start to see sellers change that approach and change their mindset and they start getting results fairly quickly, all of a sudden the light bulb starts to go off. But I think people have been so conditioned Oh, I got to make a hundred phone calls. I got to send a hundred emails, you know, instead of really thinking about, Hey, slow down a little bit. It's almost like slow it down to speed it up. Right. I'm not saying slow down, you know, cause you, we, you know, I'm a fan of your book right. your time selling for sure. I I'm, I'm saying slow it down a little bit. So you kind of get to know what's important to the person oh, yeah. on side and that gets you actually to sales conversations more quickly. Well, yeah. I mean, I define responsiveness in my book is, is not just being fast. It's being having the information the customer needs in a timely basis. I mean, that's, that's, that's responsiveness. It. So if, <laughs> you're going to waste a lot of their time if you call them up and you don't have the answers to their questions or you don't have the information they need to make progress in their buying process. That's absolutely right. Which if we tie this back down to, you know, the influence of digital on the sales world and social on the sales world is that, you know, social selling is really a platform for uncovering the customer's objectives. You know, it's one way to think about it if you're a seller is if you can find out, you know, the content they're sharing, if you can go to the discussion groups where they reside, go to the places where your customer's having conversations online, you can learn a lot about what's important to them and what they're trying to do in their business. That's very, very true. And as I've often said, I I shared shared a story about an executive who had hired me to speak at her um, conference. And we'd spoken on the phone, but I decided I was going to weave this approach in using her as an example, which she did not know, for the presentation. Uh, so I used it as an example saying, you know, I want to get in front of this executive and, you know, she's hired me for this conference, but here's what I would have done if I didn't know her. You know, I went to the website. I happened, I use uh, Inside View, so I use their business intelligence. Lo and behold, I very easily uncovered a video she had done at a conference that she spoke at just a few months earlier. She clearly outlined the key initiatives she was focusing on for building the channel partner community. And so, it, we I gave him a live demonstration, Andy. So essentially, it was you know I'm in the meeting with her, and I would say, okay, I understand these seven things are important priorities. What are the two or three you're working on right now? What what's the main focus this year? That's a whole different conversation than somebody coming in and asking silly questions that they can get answers to on the web, or just doing the show up throw up routine, or hey, exactly. here, here's my product. So. Great. Well, good. Well, let's move to the last segment of the show. All right. Where I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Oh, boy. Hope my brain's in gear here. (laughs) You can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you choose. So, ready? Mm Mm-hmm. What's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Me. Name the one tool you use today for sales management that you can't live without. Ooh, that's a tough one. Gosh, for sales management that I can't live with. Well, it's got to be my CRM system, I guess. All right. Which one do you use? Uh, so right now, I'm still using ACT. Uh, but I'm trying to get myself uh, licensed over on Microsoft Dynamics. I'm a Microsoft fangirl, always will be. Okay. Love working for them and so always you will be. There. Yeah. That's right. So who's your sales role model? You are, Andy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was unsolicited completely. (laughs) And it's true. I reference you often when I'm talking with people. What's the one book that every salesperson should read? Ah, The New Handshake, Sales Meets Social Media. 
Sounds like a good one. Who's the <laughs> author of that one? That would be me. And I was just kidding around. But I'll tell you, the other book that I'm a huge, huge fan of, especially if you're in sales management, is Cracking the Sales Management Code is is one. But of course, I both your books are huge and have impacted me. So it's hard for me to just always say one book. Okay. Cracking the Sales Management Code. Somebody else just recently referenced that. Uh, who was the author again? Uh, so the author is Jason Jordan. Jason and Jordan. Uh, he put that together with Michelle uh, Vizana. Excellent. Okay. What's the first sales activity you do every day? Oh, the first sales activity I do is I check on LinkedIn to see who's sharing content or posting messages so that I can interact with them. And let's see, what's your, well, I probably know the answer to this one. What's your favorite social media tool? Well, one of my favorites is Facebook, but for business, it's LinkedIn. Okay. So here's just maybe the toughest question of all <laughs> is what's your favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for an important sales call? Oh, this one's easy for me. Okay. It's uh it's it's a it's an oldie but it's a goodie and it's from Prince and it's baby I'm a star. <laughs> love it. That's the first Prince answer I've had in all the interviews. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. We get well, a lot I have of we, I have a lot of crazy music that I listen to, but I have listened to that for years. Anytime I wanted to get psyched up, it's a, it's a great mantra for sellers. All right, last question for you: What's the one question you get most? Uh, excuse me. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? How do I make this social selling stuff really work for me? And the answer is. The answer is build your plan, put the time and energy into it, measure and track your results, and be patient. Excellent. Okay, well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. My guest has been Barb Giamanco. Barb, how can the listeners learn more about you? Oh, cool. Well, they can, uh, of course, look me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm at Barbara Giamanco. You'll find me pretty easily. Visit my blog at barbaragiamanco.com. And certainly to learn more about the company's services, it's scs-connect.com. And, um, you know, the phone works too. So feel free to call me in Atlanta at 404 647 Four nine two five, and thanks for having me, Andy. Oh, my pleasure. So remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your sales. Subscribing to this podcast on iTunes is an excellent way to do that. That way, you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top sales experts like our guest today, Barb Giamanco, who share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.